the unknown unknowns. That's what we're talking about this week on the TICE podcast with Colin Anderson, CISO at Levi Strauss & Co. My name is Anna Delaney, editor at TICE, and whether it's the external threats to an organization or bracing personal challenges, how do you respond to those unknown unknowns? Well, fortunately, Colin Anderson, CISO at Levi's, has had much experience in this realm. And I had the opportunity to speak with him at the Exabeam User Conference in San Francisco last week, where we spoke about his leadership style, how he forms partnerships and support within the board, and whether cybersecurity can be measured in numbers alone. Most importantly, of course, I asked him whether he always wears Levi's jeans, and the answer was yes, in case you were all wondering. Anyway, here he is on one of the most important aspects of his role. The challenges, I think one of the most important things are the people aspects of the job, and those are often the things that you fall off the list the quickest. You're focusing on firefighting, um, you're focusing on maybe communications to your, your peers or your senior leadership, and I don't spend enough time actually with my team and kind of keeping a pulse of what's going on with my team and my leaders and and it's really those individuals that make the difference. And so I, I, I'm actually having to prioritize my schedule a little bit to make sure that I carve out time to check in with my leaders, to check in with team members, just to make sure how they're doing, how things are going, because as things get faster and faster, um, I feel like I get more and more detached. Um, and I, so I have to make a concerted effort to really stay, stay plugged in. So let's talk about your, your scheduling. How often do you talk to your team? daily? I talk to members of my team on a daily basis. I may not get to everyone. I actually, I'll look at my calendar and say, oh, I haven't talked to so-and-so in two weeks. I need to give them a call today and just check in with them, see how they're, how they're doing, what they're working on, if they're running into any obstacles or problems, things that I can help them with. Because I find more and more that people will end up beating their head against the wall when they're running into something rather than ask for help. And if I put the ask out to them, seeing that if I can help them, it works a lot better because they're likely not going to come ask me for help, but if I reach out to them, many times I find something that they're running into that all it takes is a call or an email for me to kind of clear the way a little bit. And so I find that, you know, just checking in, taking that pulse check, I find problems that I wasn't aware of and problems that I can help solve. So what's that problem that keeps you up at night? Pretty much the, the speed of change within the business, um, the unknown unknowns. Things are moving so fast and we have a very global business. Um, threats change very dynamically. Our business is growing very fast and it's what I don't know that keeps me up at night. You know, it's when you know you've got a problem or you know you've got a, an issue, you can do something about it. But with security, so much of what happens, you know, or where companies run into trouble is it's the unknowns, the things that they weren't thinking about, the things that they weren't aware of, that can kind of come back and burn you. So I'm always kind of wondering to myself, like, are we sure that we know how this is going? Or do we have all the data that we need to make this decision? And so it's usually the unknowns that I worry about the most. So you spoke about members of your team coming to you with problems they have. Where do you go with your problems? Where do you go with your unknowns? Do you share them with, with other with your peers, with other people? I do. Um, so I'm fortunate to have a, a fabulous um, leader that I report up to. He's a people person. 
and he's been just a breath of fresh air because I can have those very candid, off-the-record type conversations. And, you know, he's always there to help. If I'm running into roadblocks and I need his support to move something forward, he's always there to lend it. But more often than not, it's often maybe a, a, a personal, you know, challenge I'm, I'm, I'm thinking through. Is it, you know, maybe it's a, a relationship I have with another executive that isn't going the way I want it to go. Or maybe it's a situation where um, I have a leader on my team that I'm, you know, trying to coach and mentor and develop and it's not going in the direction that I want it to go and just kind of bouncing ideas off of him and it's usually it's it's more of a a sounding board for some of those people type challenges I'm running into because in the security domain it's I'm the resident expert so I, I don't really go to him for security advice but I really go to him for some leadership advice more than anything else. But you've won well you've got quite a few accolades, security leadership accolades to your name. What are the skills that you employ? What are your leadership, what's your leadership style like? It's a great one. Well, I think for anyone to be really successful, the most important thing is they have to know their business. Every business is different. Um, every business has different risks. Uh, what worked, you know, for you in one environment probably will not work the same way in another environment. So know your business really well. Um, but really the most important thing I think a security lead, leader needs to do is it's how you hire, develop, and promote that talent. It's the people on your team that are going to really be the difference between success and failure. It's not the technology you employ. It is really, it's about the people. And so I do subscribe to more of that situational leadership approach where in some situations I'm a sounding board, uh, a coach to one of, my, one of my leaders. In other situations, I might be a little bit more directive and specific about what I think needs to happen. Uh, but it, it's amazing how successful you can be when you hire the right people and you just turn them loose. Um, you give them a, a safety net, so you know, let them know that mistakes are okay. Um, but I, I want you to be aggressive. You know, take some chances because if you don't, if you're not really pushing the envelope, you're really not trying hard enough. I, I think with security, you can't really be lax and sit back on your laurels thinking, hey, we're doing okay today, so I don't need to keep pushing. Security is one of those areas that if you're not pushing, you're falling behind. And so I really try to make sure that my leaders know that I want them to push, that I expect it, it may be a bumpy road at times. That, you know, Sometimes we'll make mistakes. How quickly we learn and maybe redirect our energy when we do make a mistake is really important. Um, but at the end of the day, I try to just hire the right people and coach and develop and turn them loose. And when you say pushing, what are you pushing? Give me an it, example. It, it depends on the situation. So for example, if the business is moving more and more into the cloud and we don't have all of the controls that we feel we need to protect our data or systems in the cloud, it's how do you push to get those controls in place. And sometimes it's um, pushing the partners that we're working with that may not have as rich of a product as we want yet. Sometimes it's pushing in terms of the, the processes that you follow. How do you spin up more workload in the cloud? How do you move applications to the cloud? Some of that, some of that just, you know, the, the technical processes that you follow, go through don't always involve that security check or that, that point in time where the security team leads, leans in and says, okay, now are we exposing the business to any undue risk? And make sure that we're doing the best we can to manage risk. It's 
not really a situation where you're ever going to eliminate the risk, but it's you get to the point where it's an acceptable risk that you can move forward with to help the business grow. And you, know, you want the business to grow at the end of the day. It's you know, beneficial for all of us. So you mentioned recruiting talent, yeah. getting the right team. What's the talent you're looking that, for? That's tough. Um, I hire attitude over experience more often than not. Um, these days, talent is tough. It's, there's definitely a talent shortage. I'm often finding smart people in other areas of IT or other areas of the business and teaching them some of the security stuff. And so for me, the attitude, the willingness to learn, the willingness to not give up and kind of chase that problem to its you know, culmination, um, it's more important than anything else in that you find people that have that curiosity, that determination, that problem-solving, you know, critical thinking skill, the security stuff you can learn. Um, it's that attitude that I think is really much harder to change and much more important to me in kind of bringing new people onto the team. What about the softer skills? Depends. Do they all need soft skills? They don't. I don't think every, I mean, I think there's a lot of individuals that will be business-facing or consumer-facing and you really want that ability to connect with individuals, to communicate clearly, but you're also going to have a lot of guys that are just hunting for t threats in our environment. Maybe they're engineering solutions and they're not necessarily business-facing or consumer-facing. And in those roles, you just want somebody that's determined, you know, intelligent, can solve problems. If they don't have the best communication skills, if they're maybe more of an introvert than an extrovert, that's okay. Um, those, those roles are really important regardless. Yeah. Now, I know you've got a lot of value to impart about working with the board. Yeah, yeah. Over the years, I've had boards that were very cyber literate. I've had boards that were not at all cyber literate. And I've had you know, lame duck boards, boards that were on their way out because of an acquisition or a merger and such. And so I've had to kind of bring boards along that journey in a couple of different times. And more often than not, I think what's most important for a board is to understand the questions that they should be asking of the CISO or asking of the security function. I mean, the general question the board always asks is, are we secure? And that's a very broad question. Uh, and sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, depending on the context. But it's really about how are you dealing with the new threats? How are you moving the program forward? What are you investing in and what are you not investing in? Being very clear with your board so they understand and are part of that risk management conversation. I might you know, say I'm investing in this because here's why I, I think it's important right now or here's what the changes that I'm seeing that I think make this risk greater to our organization and, and here's the things that I'm not investing in and here's why. And obviously when you tell your board that you're not investing in something you're going to get a lot of questions. But what I found is you know, being very clear on what you are doing and then what you're not doing gives a lot more credibility to your, your strategy and a lot more credibility to the things that, are, that you are doing because otherwise the board assumes you're doing everything and that's that's a slippery slope because the reality is, is with uh, talent shortages, you know, you know, economic challenges, you're not going to be able to do it all. And so you do have to make some hard choices. Do you have to manage their expectations? Yes. Um, no question about it. And I think the more transparent I am in what's working and what's not, you set the appropriate expectations. I'll have, you know, I think there's situations where my executives and my board at times have felt that I'm not moving fast enough. And from their point of view, I can see that, absolutely. But there's other obstacles and other things that you often need to get in place before you can move some things forward. And so you do have to 
manage their expectations, understand, helping them understand that there's a, a flow here or there's some priorities or, you know, if I, if I just slam this in, here's the potential impact we will have on the business. And so maybe I want to be a little bit more uh, planful with how I'm rolling this out because I don't want to impact the business, but at the same time, I want to manage the risk that we're talking about. Now, we all know that boards want figures, they want numbers. Yes. Can cybersecurity be measured by numbers alone? Mm, that's a great question. That's, um, I put a lot of numbers in front of my board, but unfortunately a lot of what I talk about with a board is subjective. It's my own assessment of a variety of factors. There's a lot of things you can measure, there's some things that you can't measure. Um, I can't measure how or when attacks are going to change. You know, it's, it's an unknown. I can only measure how I'm responding to what we do know about. So there, I don't think you can measure it with just numbers. I think you do actually have to bring in that cyber literacy, bring in those experts that can provide their subject matter expertise and experience to help the board have a more holistic view of risk for the organization. But I don't think, numbers alone don't tell the story. You've mentioned uh, having your own narrative when you're presenting to the board. Yes. I know this, I yep. listened to you on another podcast. So. Tell me more about that narrative. How do you present to the board? So the content is really important. Um, you can have the, the best story, but if it's not relatable, if you don't really tie it into something the board or the executives you're working with understand, you're going to lose your audience. And so in, in particular with a board, I like to really connect it to something that they are very familiar with. So if we're making a large investment in a certain line of business, I'll talk to security and the risks in relation to that investment or re relation to that line of business. And so it's much easier for them to connect the dots with what I'm talking about if I'm connecting it to something that they've already heard a lot about and they really understand. Maybe it's a, a major business program that they've you know, green-lighted you know, a significant investment for. So when I talk about the risks and the security of that new investment, it's very relatable for them. And um, the questions are very engaging. I feel like the board itself is much more engaged when I connect the risks to something that is very familiar to them. Um, so it's, it's one thing improving communication with the board, but how do you establish partnership? How do you establish support within the board? So the good news is you're probably not in the room if they don't already believe in your skills and experience. You know, so you know, a CISO that's going to that board, they've already to some degree proven themselves by their previous accomplishments, their skills, their experience. And so with that board, I think it's all about building trust through clarity of what you're doing. You want to build that confidence. You want that board to trust you. And sometimes the best way for that board to trust you is to bring them into your, some of your dilemmas. You know, your, some risks that, you know, that may not be fully managed. You know, what's working and what's not. You know, if you can be very transparent with them about you know, the successes and also maybe some of the failures, it builds that confidence and trust over time because they feel like you're not putting lipstick on the pig, you know, you're, you're telling it to them like it is. And I think that goes a long way in building that trust and confidence. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. It, it is a journey. Um, it, it takes a lot of time both to bring the board on your security journey, helping them understand how this is a multi-year effort, 
But and as you're taking them on that journey, being as transparent as you can, I think builds that trust and confidence. And what has really not worked? Everybody says, um, or most people are advised, to stay away from the technical talk. Avoid the facts and figures. Avoid security lingo and terminology that may not make sense to them. They may not, may, may not know what an IoT is. They may not know what malware is. They may not know what some of these terms that you frequently use in security are. So stay away from it. Um, use what I refer to as Saturday, Saturday language. If you know, you're explaining to your mom or your significant other what you do, you're not talking in technical terms. You're talking in more layman's terms or business terms. And that is probably the one piece of advice that anyone that's presenting to a senior audience or a board needs to keep in mind is stay away from that lingo. Um, the other thing that I think is also really beneficial is to make sure that what you're communicating is relevant to what the business is going through right now. If you're talking about something that happened in the past or something that might happen in the future, it's, it's less connected to the here and now. And so I think when people, you know, our security leaders kind of get too caught up in the fear, uncertainty and doubt, you know, the sky is falling. The reality is, is, you know, today we're doing well, tomorrow we could have a compromise or there could be an incident. It's, you really don't know what the future is going to hold. You can only really deal with what you're faced with today. And so sticking away from that fear, uncertainty, and doubt is another, probably a piece of advice I'd, I'd offer other security leaders. Because they say it's, it's a risk to think that cyber risks don't exist and it's a risk to treat all potential risks. How do you balance them? That's kind of where the subjectivity comes into play. Uh, we have to know what's a priority for our business. There's a ton of risks out there and many of them you're dealing with and many of them you're not. And really, the way you prioritize those things um, has a lot to do with you know, your own specific business, your maturity as a function, um, your capabilities as an organization. And it's something I talk to with my leaders on a regular basis. You know, where are we making our investments and where are we not? What are we prioritizing? What are we not? Because you can't do it all. Um, and that's you know, part of where that subjectivity and the expertise comes into play. You have to make some hard decisions with imperfect information very frequently. And, and finally, Colin, what's been the greatest learning curve on the CISO journey for you? The greatest learning curve? You know, maybe a, a tough moment that shifted your perspective on things or how you work? Yeah. I'd say the most important thing is, and, and people say that frequently, is the skills that got you here are not going to get you there. And, and so the journey has been a, a, a maturing of my leadership skills and my communication skills. And unfortunately, I've had to let go of some of that technical skill. Early on in my career, I was a much more technical individual. And now I have to surround myself with some very technical, proficient individuals, some really smart engineers and architects, because I can't be really good at that and also be really good at that leadership side of things where I'm working with my peers, whether it's just securing a budget or communicating our program. So I've really had to shift my skills and my focus more towards the soft skills than I have the technical skills as my career has progressed. Did you, did you make, do you remember that conscious decision of I'm moving into it's that kind, role? It's kind of scary okay. because technical skills are very tangible. You can put you know, your certification on a resume. You, you know you have something that you can refer to. But how do you measure a good leader or a good manager? It's much more subjective. 
and I remember um, early on in my career when I was kind of moving from that, you know, frontline manager to that, you know, mid-tier director level leader, and having to let start, starting to let go of some of those technical skills. It was a tough crossroads in my career because I didn't know how, if I was going to be able to make that leap to leadership, be that to senior management, and letting go of that very tangible commodity of technical skills that are measurable was kind of a, a, a scary step in my career. But looking back, obviously, I'm very glad I made that step. But for other leaders, Why kind of... Why do you think you made it, though? Um, it just instinct? I don't honestly know for sure. Um, thinking back, I remember that thinking it through in my head and the challenge that I faced. And I thought, you know what? I can do it. Um, I, didn't, I didn't want my fear to hold me back. Uh, I've seen a lot of other leaders um, and that unknown, putting themselves in uncomfortable situations is really how you grow as a leader. And so I was putting myself into this uncomfortable situation and I figured that, you know, worst case scenario, I was going to learn something. Best case scenario is I was going to be successful. Well, lucky for us that you did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Colin, so much. Thank you. Thanks to Colin Anderson, CISO at Levi Strauss & Co. And if you like this, remember you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Please do get in touch if you have any topic requests. You can reach us on Twitter, on our handle, at Tice, T-E-I-S-S. That's all from us for now. I hope you'll join us next time for more cyber conversations. <laughs>